You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now your host. Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. I go back with Curtis Lewa. Oh, maybe 20, 30 years, in fact, when we were in WLIR in Rockland County in the 1990s, when ABC let him go, we put him on the air. He's always been a friend for the Jewish community, and uh, he's been there protecting Jewish neighborhoods when there was trouble, whether it was the Crown Heights pogrom uh, or whether even recently. But in 2018, he made some remarks to a Reform Party group upstate New York, and that uh, people were very upset about. We'll play them for you in just a little bit. Um, and we're going to talk to Curtis about the Curtis Sliwa joins us. He's running for mayor on the Republican line in New York. Curtis, uh, thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Seb. Uh, as you know, I've joined you, um, as you mentioned, all throughout the years. And it's my pleasure to join you again this time, running for mayor of the city of New York as the Republican candidate, but also the Independent Party candidate. So people have two ways to vote for me on November 2nd against uh, Eric Adams. How is it going so far? It's going very well. Um, In fact, uh, just tonight I was in the Marlboro Housing Projects opposite uh, Lafayette High School in Bensonhurst. And these are the kinds of neighborhoods where Oftentimes, the only person uh, that people have ever seen who is a Republican is Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill. It's just not a kind of a neighborhood or kind of a location that Republicans generally go to. But because I've had an acceptance in all different neighborhoods uh, for a period of 42 years as the founder and developer of the Guardian Angels, I can go where most other candidates can't go. Uh, and get into dialogue where people don't reject me because they think, uh, as a Republican, I wouldn't be representing their point of view. But in New York City, the term Republican is probably a dirty word almost, uh, especially in Manhattan and some of the other boroughs too, and considering the polarization. So I know you say you found people receptive, but Republicans almost don't exist in New York anymore as far as a viable candidate or as far as I should say a viable party because the Republican Party in New York is really in shambles. I've spoken to other candidates. They don't really get much support. Forget money. They don't get really much support from the Republican Party. You combine that with the Republicans being a dirty word. So it seems to me that it's much tougher to be a Republican running for office today than any other point perhaps in New York history. Oh, there's no doubt, uh, Zev. Uh, look, I had worked side-by-side side with Rudy Giuliani, first when he lost to David Dinkins, barely, in 1988, and then when he barely won in 1992. Uh, but we had eight great years of Republican leadership, and we went from being the most dangerous big city in America and the verdict capital of America to being the safest large city in America And that was just in eight years. And then added to that were the 12 years of Michael Bloomberg, again, a Republican mayor. And sandwiched in between that was 12 years of Republican uh, Governor George Pataki, who I might add, nobody knew when he first ran. Uh, At least I have uh, broad name identification. But uh, George Pataki upset the uh, iconic figure of the Democratic Party. Mario Cuomo, who was destined uh, at that point to become maybe the president of the United States or a United States Supreme Court judge, and he uh, he beat him handily and went on to win office for three terms. So, yes, the demographics have changed. Yes, 
There are more Democrats now than Republicans uh, in almost an eight to one plurality. But there are a growing number of independents who are mostly hipsters and millennials. And I know how to reach them because for three years, I was the New York State Reform Party chairman dealing with independents uh, from Buffalo to Brooklyn. So uh, I wouldn't rule myself out because I am a very different kind of a Republican. I don't spend most of my time in the suites. I spend most of my time in the uh, streets and the subways where you're going to find the mass majority of the people. So I never go to sleep on Curtis Lee. The deck has always been stacked against me, as it was when I started the Guardian Angels in 1979 in the Bronx. Nobody thought it would work. Nobody thought it would ever work. You know, when I took on organized crime, John Gotti Sr., John Gotti Jr., and again, be no crime family, and yet I was successful. And uh, many people don't uh, believe that I have an opportunity to beat Eric Adams, simply because, as you mentioned, Zeb, there are so many more Democrats um, who are registered than Republicans. But, but it goes but, more than that, Curtis. It's not that they're more registered Democrats. We've had Republican mayors and governors. The problem is Republicans have become a dirty word. You speak to the average person in Manhattan and elsewhere, they look at the Republicans as being from another planet. It's, we're so polarized. And you combine it with the fact that the Republican Party is not really very effective in New York. They're not giving you money. They're not giving you support. They speak to the other candidates say the same thing. So you're not getting enough support from the Republican Party because it doesn't really exist in a strong way. Plus the fact that in the Trump years, uh, Republicans became a dirty word, dirty word. So it's much tougher for a Republican to get citywide office today than ever before. Well, and even tougher uh, for me to have won the Republican primary against my opponent, Fernando Mateo who spent a million and a half dollars that he had gotten from matching funds uh, to advertise the fact that I was not a Republican, that I was a never-Trumper. As you know, when you get labeled a never-Trumper, the reality is even amongst a small group of Republicans, you're not going to win. And I not only won, I beat him 70% to 30%. I crushed him. Uh, And nobody thought that that was possible. How could somebody... Uh, who was not perceived of as a Republican, who had not voted for Donald Trump, which I hadn't. I hadn't voted for President Trump. I had not voted for Hillary or uh, or, or President Biden now. Uh, I had voted for independent candidates for president. But as you know, generally amongst Republicans, when you are labeled a, a, a never-Trumper, uh, you're not going to be able to win a Republican primary. I not only won the primary, I won it convincing. I think you voted for the impending Pierre, uh, what's his name, Pierre, um, he was a child, the child actor, is that who you're referring to? Uh, you mean Pierre Renfray? No, 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 the one who, there was a child actor who was running for president on the independent line. Oh, Brock Pierce. Brock that Pierce, was, right, 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 Brock that was Pierce, right. That uh, I had voted for who was running on the independence party line here in New York State. Uh, they were trying to get enough votes to stay solvent. Uh, at that point, uh, Andrew Cuomo, with his uh, desire to wipe out the Working Families Party, made it almost impossible for other independent uh, parties, third parties, to exist. Uh, my uh, party went out of business, Reform Party, Independence Party, Green Party, Libertarian Party, all the third parties except for uh, the Conservative Party, which survived. And uh, Cuomo's desire to ruin the Working Families Party, you know, he had a blood feud with them. He just strengthened them, made them stronger than ever before, but wiped out all these other really good third parties that in many instances would not only endorse a Democrat or Republican for election or re-election, 
but give a lot of independent candidates an opportunity to run for office uh, also. So you mentioned the Reform Party. In 2018, you were upstate New York. There's a tape circulating. You were familiar with that. I know you over the years, and you've been very good with the Jewish community. But this tape, you made some remarks that were incendiary regarding the Jewish male play for our audience. I'd like you to respond to that. You want to be mayor of New York. You want to get the Jewish vote as well. So let's play what you said to a Reform Party group in 2018. Services, the absolute worst. And yet... How many times in growing up, I grew up in Canarsie, Brooklyn, mostly Italian and Jewish, and they look across the tracks of Brownsville and East New hey, look at these blacks and Hispanics, you know, they're always on welfare, welfare mothers and all that. We never talk about that. Curious Joel, the ultra-Orthodox, oh, God forbid you say that, or Hashem, Hashem forbid you say that. I talk about that all the time. You can't allow for that. We're all paying for that. We're getting ripped off. We're not talking about poor, impoverished, disabled people who need help. We're talking about able-bodied men who study Torah and Talmud all day, and we subsidize them, and then all they do is they make babies. Like there's no tomorrow. And who's subsidizing that? We are. So are we in Yes. Yes. Yes, because then you go for relief to your politicians. You say, how do they get away with this? And they have a house and they subdivide it 9,000 different ways. Well, isn't that illegal? Building code, fire inspection, you know, God forbid there's a fire. It's like, here's a house that was meant, you know, to have maybe two or three families. It's now got six or eight families. And then all of a sudden it's a yeshiva. How does a house become a yeshiva? And now because it's a yeshiva, hey, no property tax, they don't have to do nothing. And then the rest of the cul-de-sac, forget about it. Soon to be changed. We know what goes on. We're being bamboozled. But you know, if I were them, if I were Orthodox, if I were Hasidim, and I could get away with this, wouldn't you keep doing this? I mean, think about it. Wouldn't you keep ripping off the system? If we continue to let you do that, they're not doing this under the cover of darkness. They're not doing this nefariously with a number two pencil. They're doing it openly and brazenly, and our politicians are rolling over to them. Why? Because of the vote. And because they contribute. The big markets will write the checks, and the checks don't bounce, because they know it's going to politicians. So because of the greed and the avarice of both the Democrats and the Republicans, the nature of your communities, why you move to Rockland, why you move to Orange, is changing radically. Now the good thing is it's mobilized you. A lot of you before this issue hit, or your neighbors or your friends, they were somewhat apathetic and indifferent. Yeah, vote, maybe vote. Well, they're all crooks. What difference is it? Now you realize, oh, no, no, no. If we don't control the voting apparatus, they will control us. And many people would say, well, what's wrong with that? That's the American way. You vote, you get to make the decision. Well, in a sense, they are correct. But they don't vote the way normal Americans vote. They're not sitting in the comfort of their home, watching a debate on TV, and deciding between candidate A, B, C, and D. They're being told by the Rebbe or Rabbi, this is who you vote for. You don't vote for them, there's a hell of a price to pay. Forget the snacks. Forget the Section 8, forget the Medicaid, and you will be ostracized. You will have a scarlet letter on you, so maybe you will survive, but your family will be vilified, 
in perpetuity. Now, that sounds like oppression. That sounds like something that would be done in Iran or Saudi Arabia. There's no freedom of speech, no freedom of thought. So you say, okay, and now how do we stop this? Well, the Republicans aren't going to stop it. There are some good Republicans who do. Not in Orange County. They're in uh, Rockland County. Democrats, you know, they're not going to stop it. There are some good Democrats who are fighting that right here in Orange, but not in Rockland. The problem is there aren't enough. There's not a coalition. We're saying we're going to organize people of all different backgrounds, and that includes Jews and Gentiles, to fight this. And fight it legally, by getting more voters to the polls, by talking about these issues in the open, and not letting anybody put a scarlet letter on somebody because they would dare stand up to the, the block. So that right away, the moment you bring this to somebody's attention, you're called an anti-Semite. You're not anti-Semites. You're trying to preserve your community. And it's not because if somebody earns their way into the community, you're going to reject them. But if somebody comes in and tries to take over your community lock, stock, and barrel, and break all the rules, and expect the tax dollars to go to their community, and they're taking away from you, and their kids aren't even being serviced in the public schools, but they want all the monies from the public schools to go to the yeshivas, then you've got to righteously stand up and say, no, it ends right here. Because they're not going to stop. They haven't done that in Brooklyn. You know, these hipsters and millennials, they're still trying to figure out where they live in Brooklyn because they come from Iowa where there are more pigs than people and Idaho where there are more potatoes than people. So they don't have any roots in the area. They're new jacks. You know, they're, oh wow, this is great. Meantime, the Orthodox are gaining strength there. And pretty soon, a third of the children in the school system in Brooklyn will be Orthodox Jews and they're not going to public schools. They're not going to charter schools. They're going to be going to yeshivas. And you know who's going to be subsidizing it? us, the taxpayers, because they don't follow the rules of the Department of Education in the city of New York. They basically told de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, Ufa, and he has basically bowed to their will. Curtis, I play what you said, so perhaps you can explain, because it's, it was excreed against Haredim Jews, Hasidic Jews, that they're doing something illegal by voting, voting in block voting, which unions do, by the way, all the time. Uh, you compared it to Iran. You said it's un not normal American. So explain to me, because over the years, as I said, you've been a very good friend of the Jewish community. What happened upstate New York where you were trying to fan the flames of anti-Semitism by using some of the stereotypes of the Haredim and Hasidic Jews? Uh, well, Zeb Brené, you remember I came on the air you with did. you in 2018. And we did have a discussion about uh, some of the things that I had said then. Uh, in fact, uh, we had a good exchange between you and I and also some of your callers. Uh, so this particular speech was given when I was in opposition to the block vote up in Rockland and Orange County. And I certainly used language uh, that I would never use again in the heat of a political battle. Uh, I was being boxed in. My candidates were being denied, some of them having been Jewish. Uh, so I look back upon that as I look back upon it when I spoke to you uh, a few months after that speech was given. I remember that. Uh -huh. 
Right. And uh, on some of the issues, I defended myself on other issues. I said uh, that that was incorrect language of mine. I should not have used that in the heat of political discourse. But it is amazing that I dealt with it in 2018 with you and others and will have dealt with it again as I continue to meet with uh, leaders of various Jewish communities. But I got to tell you, Zev, I'm shocked that uh, my candidate, uh, my opposition candidate, uh, my adversary, Eric Adams, has never asked about his support for Louis Farrakhan. Never. Not in any of the meetings with the Jewish leaders that he's met with who've endorsed him. Not with any of the high-profile Jewish elected officials who've embraced him. Not publicly in any of the meetings like this where I'm having to uh, address uh, statements that I publicly made that clearly it is me. I'm not saying that this is, you know, somebody digitalizing my voice. That's Curtis Lee we're talking there in 2018. And I certainly apologize for that. But why is it, Zeb, that Eric Adams has never asked about his support for Louis Farrakhan uh, when he uh, opposed David Dinkins, then the mayor who he said he wants to uh, role model himself after if he becomes mayor. He wants to be like David Dinkins. And yet David Dinkins denounced Louis Farrakhan speaking in New York City and Eric Adams condemned David Dinkins for doing that. Don't you think that he ought to be asked that question in order to answer it at length? Listen, he can answer the question, but I'll make a little distinction because these he didn't say anything anti-Semitic. The words that came out 2018, and I, and I don't believe it's really you, but I, to be honest, I was kind of surprised and shocked by some of the language. I'll tell you the context, because also in Rockland County, you had a campaign on video where the video showed if they win, which means the Hasidim, you lose. This is what trying to rile up the public. So this came on the heels of that as well. So it seemed like there was a concerted campaign to attack the Hasidic community. It, listen, they don't go to public school. And I, and I spoke to a lot of elected officials about it. So if you send a kid to public school, you get about $20,000 worth of education from the public school system. If you're a Catholic school parent, a Muslim school parent, a yeshiva parent, and you send your kid to a religious school, you're not getting the $20,000 benefit that you would get by sending a kid to public school. And on top of that, you're paying tuition. So what's wrong if the Catholic school parents, yeshiva's parents, Muslim parents say, hey, you know what? We we are entitled to that share of the pie. We're not getting that 20000 but let's get certain services. So I don't see what's wrong with that. It's the American way, and they're entitled to it. Why should there be doubly taxation? The, the, in fact, if the public schools cannot handle the 50,000 Catholic school kids and yeshiva kids were to enroll September 1st in New York City, I guarantee you there'll be tuition tax relief. They don't want them in the schools. There's no way they can handle fifty to 60,000 kids. Those have there's uh, uh, obviously a way that I identify with that. Half my academic life was spent in parochial schools, St. Matthew's, uh, which was I was taught by the Josephite nuns right there in Crown Heights, uh, where the Lubavitchers have their headquarters on Eastern Parkway and Utica Avenue from first to fourth grade. I also went to uh, what was then Brooklyn Prep, the Jesuit High School. Now it's called Medgar Evers, the City College, over by Nostrand, President and Carroll four years. Uh, so I certainly understand uh, the difference between the parochial education and the public school education and the fact that my parents had to pay 
uh, special tuition in addition to paying the normal taxes that subsidize sure. the public school so, system. But you attacked the issue, you attacked the parents for not uh, acting like normal Americans and trying to get you know some relief and getting some public school funds. There's nothing wrong with that. You, uh, you know, listen, if you have you have a lot of kids in the Hasidic says they have 10, 15 kids. The Catholics used to have that many kids too. I don't know if they have it as much today, but the Hasidic community certainly does. And there's nothing wrong about it. It's totally kosher, 100% legal. If they have yeshivas and homes and it's, if it's legally done, again, that that's the way the system goes and there's nothing wrong with that. But I just felt that it was being used, they were used as a weapon to try to rile up a reform party base. That's well, how it came across. Remember, the big issue then had not just to do with the reform party base. Uh, State Senator Simcoff Felter uh, had been the lone dissenting vote that prevented there from being the uh, institution of the requirements according to the New York State Constitution uh, that all schools, including parochial and religious schools, had to uh, teach uh, science and math. Most yeshivas that I had ever visited did that. Some did not. As you remember, there was a very heated debate about that. Uh, clearly, uh, Simkov felt his vote uh, blocked that. Uh, I spoke out against that. Uh, and we had a difference of opinion. Uh, I understand yeshivas uh, educate the young boys and young girls uh, on how to learn. Uh, my dispute at that point was in some yeshivas, a small minority, just not wanting to follow the state guidelines. I remember when I sat in uh, parochial school at Brooklyn Prep uh, High School, a Jesuit high school, uh, I was taught evolution uh, by the priests, uh, but I was also told this is not the belief system of the Roman Catholic Church of the Vatican. We don't believe in evolution. But I was told uh, the main points of evolution so that I would become knowledgeable on that. I'm not suggesting that that be taught to children in elementary school or even in junior high school age, but as they climb up the academic ladder. Now, that's a argument that uh, people have had in New York State for years. Uh, I feel that the parochial and religious schools have done an outstanding job, especially during the pandemic when they had in-class uh, training that my three sons who go to public uh, schools, high school, junior high school, and elementary school, would deny. Uh, I would reward parochial and religious schools with uh, tax tuition credits and vouchers. I've always believed in that. And I believe that every family, especially if they proved uh, not to have the fiscal means, should be given a stipend for $2,000 a year, all families, uh, so that they could get uh, the badly needed supplies for their children to function in school, whatever tutoring they might require, whatever other educational uh, uh, access uh, that, that might require some money. Which is terrific, so, but but you were critical of yeshiva students or parents who send the kids to yeshiva um, and they're taking over. And there was no mention, by the way, of the education group teaching science or math. And that's a separate issue, how much government should be involved in, in, in religious education. Today we have a whole woke theories that are trying to teach a whole different culture about that if you're white, you know, you're automatically racist. That shouldn't be involved in, in, in any school um, where it's mandated by the government, including religious schools. So... And we're going to break. But, yeah. Jeff, but, but, but I am. Eric Adams has not spoken out against critical race theory. I have. He has, he has said nothing because he does not want to offend people. 
You know Curtis Lewa. He speaks directly. I don't mince words. At times I say things that I later on have to apologize about. But when we talk about the curriculum in the public school system, I am the only mayoral candidate who has said publicly that I would not allow critical race theory to be taught in the public school system because there's mayoral control. Whereas Eric Adams has been allowed to skate on that. Don't you think he should be asked that question as the mayoral candidate? I'm sure it's gonna, you're going to have a debate with him. Oh, sure. But do you really think I have to wait till October for me to ask that question? Don't you think with all the media outlets, both... Uh, you don't think most of the media in New York wants critical race theory to be part of the curriculum? Well, they're giving him a pass. Let's face it. They're not asking him what is a very important question. Are you or are you not in favor of critical race theory? I am totally opposed to it. I've spoken out against it. Uh, I've had uh, press conferences against it. In my debates, in the Republican debate against uh, Fernando Mateo, I said I would eliminate critical race theory. And yet you would think as dominant a discussion as that is, not only here but across the country, that some media outlet would have asked that question of Eric Adams. Why is he insulated? Why is he protected from all these questions? Why is he already going to a coronation as if he's already the mayor? Uh, you well, in think- New York, for the, for the most part, with some rare exceptions, if you win the Democratic prior, primary, it's almost a shoo-in that you're going to be that's going to be the office. Again, there's really not enough of competitive races in New York. Yeah, uh, Jeff, I, I understand that. But that doesn't mean you don't ask candidates questions. He was in a primary, a very heated primary against 13 candidates, two of whom uh, actually acquired almost as many votes in the ranked choice voting system. Even during that long primary system, he was never asked, why were you a supporter of Louis Farrakhan? Why were you a supporter of Al Sharpton? Do you, you think he's a supporter of Louis Farrakhan today? No, but I'd okay. like him to explain that. Don't you? You just asked me what I was saying in 2018, and now for the second time I've explained it to you with apologies, uh, but he's never been asked. I mean, look, when Keith Ellison ran as congressman in Minneapolis, he was asked, why were you a supporter of Louis Farrakhan, as he should have. When he ran for state attorney general in Minnesota, he was asked that question over because and over. Because he's still, he a support, he's still a supporter of Louis Farrakhan. We're going to break, Curtis. I just want to just clarify again. I know you said it in 2018, but since it became an issue again. So in that speech that I played from 2018, so is there any part that you think is valid or not valid? What would you take back? What would you say differently? I would say the focus was education for the most part. There were other issues, obviously, I delved into. I haven't spoken like that since. I've certainly uh, gone about and had counsel from a lot of Jewish groups that I've had relationships with for many years. And not just uh, the uh, Orthodox or the Hasidic community, but also conservative and reform. Uh, you're also very aware, Jeff Brenner, the two of my youngest sons, Carter and Hunter, are raised Jewish uh, and uh, recently I was at the bar mitzvah of uh, Carter. Uh, so I've had many multiple discussions. I would say in the area of education, uh, we have some differences. In those other areas that I discussed, I certainly would not use language like that. That was in the midst of a heated political debate in which uh, uh, I was losing uh, a lot of our efforts to organize. 
And you didn't hear me say that again. And in the meantime, all through those years, when the Jewish community has been under attack, like recently in Flatbush on Avenue K and New York Avenue, uh, where a young uh, handicapped man was attacked in the early morning hours while opening up the synagogue. Did you see Eric Adams show up? You see any of his deputy mayors show up? No, you saw Curtis Lee when the guardian angels not only show up, but we continue to patrol that area to protect Jews who are worshiping in Riverdale when there were attacks on the synagogues. You saw Curtis Lee when the guardian angels in Crown Heights, the anniversary is coming up. Who could forget that pogrom? For 30 days and 30 and you, and nights. You were there. By, by the way, as I said, when I started, you've been there. You were there in the program of 1991. You're there recently. But that's why, and over the years, you have a good track where that's why uh, people were surprised and it can't become an issue again. And that's why. And, and Zeb, Zeb, I deserve the criticism, but some called me an anti-Semite. Now, think about it. I have two sons who know how to Google. And they asked me questions. Daddy, you're an anti-Semite? You hate us? Can anyone in your audience say, oh, Curtis deserved that for giving that one speech in which he understands a lot of the language he used was unnecessary, was harsh, was part of a political battle? Look, look at Vice President Harris. She called Joe Biden a racist in that debate. Do you remember that, Zeb Brenner? I remember she's that. Now, a... She's now the Vice President of the United States. Now, think about that. That was on a national stage. He called then Joe Biden, the candidate, a racist. He eventually chose her to be the vice president. Uh, there was a lot of forgiveness amongst Democrats for that. And I'm just saying, look, criticize me. Don't call me an anti-Semite. When there are so many anti-Semites I'll say it publicly, and- I know you for so many, I don't believe you're an anti-Semite, but I believe what was said bordered on anti-Semitism. I'm glad you're clarifying it again, um, but and, and I'm glad you never said it again, which is true. You said it at one time. I wish it wasn't said the first time, um, but that's why we have you back tonight. Our guest, Curtis Slewa, guardian angel. He is running for mayor of New York on the Republican line.